Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Katherine Krause, Network CIO at Kings County Hospital. In this segment, Krause discusses the mantra that has served her well throughout her career, the growing need for users to understand the entire architecture behind how an EMR works, and why she believes it's so beneficial for CIOs to have clinical knowledge. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvada.com. So really, your strategy was to kind of build trust over time and, and establish yourself and show what you could do and kind of let things go from there. Sure. One of my mantras in my life has been there's a reason we've been given two ears and one mouth is so that we listen twice as much as we speak. And I remember when I was the CIO at Long Island Jewish Medical Center and we had a core leadership team that, you know, we'd meet regularly. And, and I didn't speak a lot. I would always speak up when, when I felt it was necessary. And one of my counterparts that was at North Shore University Hospital always said that when I spoke up, everybody listened because they knew I wasn't just going to mm. bloviate and talk about yeah. something unnecessary. And so I bring that strategy to, to every, every place that I go, whether I'm a consultant or a permanent employee, is to listen more than you speak and make sure that you have a good answer with several options. Um, I think many times people think there's only one direction to take, but if you listen and really understand the problem, simplify it and explain it in a way that people can understand. I think that's really helpful. And, and that one of the other things I do is the um, EMR forensics consulting. And I know that um, I have been working with Anthony Guerra about um, doing a presentation on that. Mm-hmm. I was... Okay. Um, so I was hired um, by an attorney to um, help with this health system that was, was being sued. Um, they were claiming that the EMR was incorrect and had resulted in a bad patient outcome. And so I was able to take that to the end and, and explain to the jury, take the complexity of an EMR and explain to them the functionality of how the data turned out the way it did when it was printed. Because as we know, data input and data output are different things, and many of the EMRs have been designed for data input. I remember early in my IT career, we, we actually started deploying an EMR that had no reporting capabilities, and we ended up having to throw it out and start over. So helping, taking complexity and making it simple so that even a jury of, of you know, lay people could understand I think is one of the, the strengths that I have because I've got such a complex and diverse background in my, in my career. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. That's a concept that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with, but, but certainly there's a need as, as we're seeing, you know, a lot of times when an, e- when an implementation goes bad or there are problems, you know, you're seeing um, things take really a different direction and, and legal directions, and that, that's a whole, whole interesting area there. Right, right. It's something that I find fascinating. I, was, I felt so fortunate to be asked to do that because it really, you know, understanding the architecture of how an EMR works is really important because what, how things look in the system and how things print out in paper are so very different. Mm-hmm. And what the date and timestamps mean and how the data got into that format 
all of that complexity, most people can't explain because they, they know a piece of it, but not the entire architecture of how, how the technology works. And so yeah. the many conversions that I've done and, and even the um, system selection that I did at, at a former job, you know, where we ultimately ended up picking Cerner and going through the contract negotiations and everything, it all builds on that, that knowledge base that is able to take the complexity and make it simple for others to understand. Yeah, that's a, kind of a strong case for uh, using using a third party when selecting a system, just to really, you know, make sure that that, that understanding is there. Sure. We had, um, you know, a very structured process when we picked a, a, our system. We had um, 2,000 production interfaces. This is a former place that I worked. We had 2,000 production interfaces. So on any given day, you know, even if 1% of them were down, we were at risk for data loss, revenue loss, or operational inefficiencies. And so we put together a very structured process for doing the evaluation, and we had participation from, you know, about 14 of our 25 hospitals in making that system selection. And we, we made sure that the clinicians made the decisions. Being a clinician myself and being technology, it was very difficult for me to, to sometimes sit back and say, it's not my job. I'm, I'm in IT. I shouldn't be making these clinical decisions anymore. But I understood the compelling reasons. And so sitting in that bridge, you know, you can really help people understand a little bit better, A, if it's going to work, and B, if it is a patient safety issue. Because many times people will throw those two, two buzzwords around and, and somebody with a unique skill set of both understanding the clinical and the technology can really debunk any myths about whether it really is a patient safety issue or a technology issue. It's been, it's been kind of a fun role for me. Yeah, oh, real, that is interesting. And then I guess that, that's, that's kind of an interesting segue for, for one of the other issues I wanted to just talk about, is, and that's the evolving CIO role. And it, this is something where it really seems to be taking a different, taking a different turn now where CIOs are, are thinking beyond IT and, and really becoming more involved in strategic planning and, and aligned with the business side. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that and, and how, you know, how that tide is kind of uh, turning. I think it's an important um, thing to discuss because I'm not sure we're really there yet. Mm -hmm. I think that many CIOs have a very, um, in healthcare anyways, have a very strong technology background and not a real strong clinical background. So understanding the operations of, obviously the ones that have worked in healthcare have a better understanding of it. But I've seen places where there's been um, CIOs that have been brought in from outside of healthcare, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that they have that business savvy of how unique the healthcare uh, environment is because biology isn't as predictable as dollars and cents or right. schedules and airline industry and that kind of thing. So it really, really helps if the CIO has either worked in healthcare or has some clinical knowledge, whether they worked as a medical technologist or, you know, even, uh, you know, um, I mean, any of the functions in the hospital, a respiratory tech or something like that, if you have some of those foundational clinical understandings, I think it helps you understand better. Um, or if you've worked in a physician's office or something, it helps you better understand the uniqueness of healthcare and technology 
you, you can just speak to the workflows. You can understand, you know, the patient experience. You can understand the fear of, you know, many patients and families and those kinds of things. So you'll make better decisions, I think, if you if you understand the complexity of, of health care. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And if, if the CIOs don't have that, would you say that it's really just all that more important to have somebody on their team that really has that background that they're that they are in close communication with absolutely absolutely it's key I mean it really is key I know um, one of my colleagues has has uh, worked with somebody that that doesn't come from a healthcare background and and you know when you're sitting at the hospital and having a conversation about a workflow um, it's a whole lot easier if you can actually understand what it means and you know somebody that's come from the the banking industry or or you know finance industry or something just doesn't have that sense of understanding how critical this is because people's life you know when you have dollars and cents you can reverse something and you can have these flat file and downtime and and but when you're dealing with people's lives it's just so much more urgent and it's a 24 by 7 operation you can't just take systems down, you know. Um, so understanding those kinds of things is so important. And so if you don't have the healthcare background, you really need to bring in some trusted leaders that, that will give you the truth and honesty about what's going on in the environment because people's lives are at stake, and, and those of us that work in healthcare understand that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, when you see um, health IT taken to task uh, against other industries, like they're further along and things like consumer engagement, it really have to take everything into consideration. And that's such a good point that, you know, this is, this is biology and it's human beings and it's just a whole different animal. It is. <clears throat> and, you know, I think our consumers, you know, our healthcare consumers are becoming much more conscious of their rights they understand HIPAA and those kinds of things. Um, it's so important for them to get engaged and participate and, and, you know, have an advocate and a healthcare proxy and all of those things that I think make the experience much less frightening is, is if you really include the, the family or the intimate caregiver of somebody in the process. And so I think we're getting there. I think we're getting to the point that, People are starting to participate and, and realize that they're consumers in a different different capacity. You know, before the doctor would say, "This is this is what needs to be done," and we just assume that they knew everything. But as we all know, there's a lot of medical errors and things that lead to to patient outcomes that are adverse. And so, the more that the family or the caregivers can participate, I think the better outcomes we're going to have. And I I love the fact that. Patients are becoming much more engaged and, and that we're really reaching out to them and trying to make it a better experience. Although, in my personal opinion, how fun can it be to go to some place where they stick sharp objects in you and expect you to enjoy it, you know? I yeah. mean, that's just wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's an uphill battle in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how patient engagement uh, continues to, to take shape because it's, we've seen a lot of changes in the last year or so, and I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. I'm a little fearful that, uh, you know, as we look towards the patient experience and being part of the amount of funding that we get, I'm concerned because, again, people come to the hospital not because they want to but because they have to. Yeah. And so... 
there are things that happen in hospitals that are painful. And so how do you, this is a very expensive resort, but it's not nearly as fun as going to, you know, a, a hotel with a beach and a, and a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful to balance the, the, the customer experience with making sure that the hospitals can stay viable and, and um, get reimbursed appropriately. So I, I'm a little bit fearful about reimbursement based on patient experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that there's definitely a reason, a rationale for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we've really uh, we've touched on, on a lot. I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to add, but I think that this is it's been really interesting to hear about, about what, you're, what you're doing and, and all the, the changes the organization is going through. And I'd, I definitely would like to catch up somewhere down the line and um, see how things are going. Sure, sure. I'd be delighted to. You know, every every healthcare system is a little bit different, and I think we all learn. And um, I've been very fortunate to have many opportunities, but never in my wildest imagination did I think that growing up in a small town in Canada, I'd end up working in New York City. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> but it's been fun. All right. Well, best of luck, and yeah, definitely would like to catch up again and uh, see how things have progressed. Thank you. Pleasure to speak to you, Kate. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.